morning, church. Not only is our God holy and awesome and great, is full of humility and love. It's absolutely incredible. It boggles my mind to think that our God is a humble God. So it helps us in our walk of faith. Welcome to each of you, both members and visitors alike. We uh, thank God for your attendance this morning, and we pray this morning that our worship will be together in spirit and in truth with our great God. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Oh, our great and masterful God in heaven, hallowed be your amazing name. We give unto you all the praise, the honor, and the glory, and we thank you so, so very much for allowing us to assemble this day, another day, to worship you in spirit and in truth. We ask, Lord God, for your help. Please bless our minds to be pure, to think only of you, to think of Jesus, your great son, who died on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary, to show our thanksgiving to you and our expression of love through our worship. Please bless our minds to be attentive to your word. And please help us as only you can. These things we do ask and pray in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ to be thy will. Amen. If you would please turn to Isaiah chapter 45. I've been really excited about that name. Just, there's just something about the name of Jesus. It's just something about that name. And so we pick up where we left off last week. Our mighty God in whom we serve, who is this God in whom we serve? As he speaks about Cyrus, he speaks of himself and he, he says in verse 5, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me there is no God. I will gird you though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising of the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. Verse 12, it says, It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my hands, and I ordained all their hosts. And verse 18 continues, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, he is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. What a bold statement. How true and how accurate. There is no God, but our God whom we serve. We can say amen to that, can't we? God is amazing. And so to say the name of God, to say the name of Jesus, Hebrews chapter 6, please, just to say his name is power. To say his name, it, it, it reminds us of the order that we receive because God is amazing. And we ought to be thankful that God has blessed us with the opportunity to serve him. The fact that he's listening to us today. The fact that he's accepting our worship this morning. The fact that he's here. Oh, we ought to be happy 
and rejoice over the fact that we not only serve a mighty God just, just to say His name. Just to say His name. Thank you, God. In Hebrews 6 and verse 13, the Bible says, For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Think about that for just a moment. There's no one greater. And so when God made a promise to Abraham, he had to swear by himself. That's how great our God is. And we serve an amazing God. John 18, I think about that name. And, and when you think about God, God is defined by no one else. He does not depend upon anyone else or anything. Right? He does not depend on anyone or else or anything. He is God. And there is no other. And in John 18, you would have thought that these soldiers and, and, and these folks that came to, to get Jesus would have, would have taken the hint. Here, here's a hint. Verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am he. And Judas also was betraying him, was standing with them. And when therefore he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. That's a hint. <laughs> the name of Jesus. I am. And they fell to the ground. It's the power of that name. The power of his word. He made promises. The promises that he has made no one can thwart them. No one can stop them. No one can change them. The promises to the apostles in John 14, verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. My name. Something about the name Jesus. And in John 16, the promise to the apostles in verse 23, he says, And in that day you will ask me no question. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you shall ask the Father for anything, he will give it to you in my name. Until now you have not asked for, anything, or for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full in my name. I can't say that. You can't. No man can ever say that. There's no one who could say that. Only God. Only Jesus. There's something about that name. Now in Mark chapter 5, one of the, one of the fascinating passages of, uh, regarding uh, demonology, if you will, and the, the, the demoniac was, was there and, and, and he was plaguing an individual and, and many people, and they were terrified of him. I want you to listen to the text, beginning at verse 1 of Mark chapter 5. Even the demons are subject to that name. And they came to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately a man of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. 
and no one was strong enough to subdue him. And constantly, night and day, among the tombs and in the mountains, he was crying out and gnashing himself with stones. And seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him, crying out with a loud voice. He said, What do I have to do with you, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. And I did that verse, no justice, because the Bible says he was crying out with a loud voice. Jesus, please, don't torment me. And I wonder, I wonder in Luke chapter 10, if that demon was reflecting back, uh, if you will, in the war in heaven when, when God expelled, if you will, Satan and his angels from the heavens. And in Luke 10, in verse 17, we have a glimpse of what actually happened. And the Bible tells us in verse 17 of Luke chapter 10. And the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. You know, I mean, just, just the power of God and just the thought that that we serve him, that he's our God, that we belong to him. Just, Hebrews please, chapter, chapter 10, or chapter 1 rather, just the thought that we are his servants and he's allowed us to surrender to him. Just the thought that he died on the cross for, for me, individually, independently, and for you as well. Individually and independently. That he has that much love and patience and care. God, verse 1. After he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways. And these last days has spoken to us in his son. Whom he appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of the glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And having become much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. It's not just a name. It's an excellent name. Jesus. Church, when, when we're out in the, in the midst of the streets and when we're amongst people in the world, when we're amongst our brethren, when you hear the name Jesus, it ought to just bring joy to your heart. And when we say the name Jesus, when we speak the name Jesus, it, it has to bring joy into the hearts of the world. Even the atheists will one day bow down to that name Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, and there is salvation in no one else. Acts 4 and verse 12. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You got to love that name, Jesus. Wasn't it fun going from the Old Testament and just seeing Jesus everywhere in every book of the Old Testament? Wasn't that exciting to see Jesus 
over and over and over again. Just can't get enough of Jesus. And you think about Exodus and chapter 13, and, and here was God in the, the burning bush, and, and then the voice that comes from that bush, our God, and he says about himself in verse 13, the Bible says to us, as we read and we think about the greatness of God, listen to what God, listen to what the Bible says to us about that great name. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13. And Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of our fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? What shall we say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of, Ab of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. Jesus, the self-existent one, co-equal, co-eternal, co-substantial with the Father and the Holy Spirit, God, every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus. Back to Isaiah 45, the chapter we began with. God in introducing himself, if you will, or speaking in regards to raising Cyrus up to release or free the Jews. In verse 23, it says, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back. That to me, every knee will bow. Every tongue will swear allegiance. Church, I, I, want us to look, I want us to look to the judgment day in Philippians chapter 2. Many folks think today that, you know, that we can live any way we want. We can do whatever we want. And in reality, we have the free will to do that if we so desire but I beseech you make sure Jesus is number one in your life speak his name think about him love him surrender to God because it is true every knee shall bow before Jesus. Every knee. We look around the world and we see that there are so many different religions and, and ideas and ideologies. And, but every knee is going to bow to Jesus. Even our knees. In church, we ought to be used to bowing to Jesus in prayer. But we get to bow to Jesus. And what a, what a joy and what excitement to be able to bow the knee to our God. And in verse 9, the Bible says, Therefore also God highly exalted him 
and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that is the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Confess his name now, church. Those of you who are not members of the body of Christ, who are not Christians, you, you, if you hear his word and you believe it, and you have godly sorrow in your heart and you're ready to turn your life around, be willing to confess his name before men. Be baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. The name of Jesus encompasses the great attributes of God, right? Like, like wisdom and holiness and, and justice and, and omnipotence and, and omnipresence and it's an omniscient God. The, the, the very name of God just, just, just tells us, just to hear Adonai, people love to say the Hebrew words and, and to say Yahweh, to say El Shaddai. People love to say the name of God. God is the past and the present God is the future. He's the eternal God. It is God in whom we will stand before. And that name of Jesus also brings salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It brings salvation. It doesn't just bring condemnation to a lost and dying world, but it brings salvation. Salvation. And you can't find it nowhere else but in Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians 5, in verse 10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Church, how are we living our lives? Are we living our lives subject to that great name of God? Are we living our lives in a way that brings glory to our Master? How are we living our lives? God's going to call us to account. All of our deeds, the good and the bad. And when we bow before Jesus, we show hope. We show pray. And we show trust by living for Jesus in this life that when God sees us standing before, or bowing rather, before Jesus, that when God sees us, when God sees me, I don't want God to see me. I want God to see Jesus. That he might say, Well done, ye good and faithful servant, because of Jesus. There's something about, about that name. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he has raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus 
the man did not crown himself. The Godhead crowned him. Crowned him with glory and honor. And his name reaches beyond this life. It reaches, it reaches into the days of eternity. For Jesus is our eternal God. And in verse 21 it says, Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, and not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I hope this morning that you can say you've surrendered to Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 5, please. Because here's what God has done for us. And when he did it, he did it through Jesus. He reconciled the world to himself. The world's messed up, church. The world is messed up. And, and, and God, God, God turned this world that was upside, he turned it right side up. But so many in the world today still don't care. And they want no part of God. And in fact, the world likes to make its own rules and regulations. But when you're standing before Jesus, the rules of the world, the rules of Hollywood, are not going to save you. When we stand before Jesus, we have to be those who have abided by the living word of God. What does thus saith the Lord? That should be our question. Lord, what do you want from me? Lord, what do you expect of me? God, what do you want me to do? How can I be a faithful and obedient servant to you until the days of my end? In verse 17, the Bible says, therefore, if any man is in Christ, you've got to love this. He's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, old things have come. I just love that idea, that thought of standing before God. And, and God says, well done, ye good and faithful servant. You say, Lord, wait a minute. Lord, you forgot when that time when. And God says, I don't even know what you're talking about. Old things have passed away, son. The new things have come. I'm so thankful that when I entered the waters of baptism that God washed all of my sins away and yours too, never to be remembered again. And I'm so thankful that when we come to Jesus and we repent and confess our sins as his children, that he forgives us. And when he forgives us, he doesn't remember it anymore. Thank you, God. There's just something about Jesus that's so impressive and so magnificent in order to just make a smile placed on our face. Just make us happy inside. And in verse 18, he continues to say, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespass against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. So God, we're entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Two, two types of begging. The, the demon begged Jesus not to torment him. And the apostles begging us to be reconciled to God. And in verse 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank you, God, for seeing Jesus and not seeing me. 
It's that blood of Jesus. First Corinthians, please, chapter 6. It's that blood of Jesus that, that we ought never take advantage of. That we ought never just, just, just think that we automatically have a free pass. We have to live obedient lives to our Lord and Savior. We ought to want to, right? We ought to have the desire to live for Jesus. I just want to give my life to you, Jesus. Whatever you want me to do, Jesus. I just want to live for Jesus, right? Because of how great he is. Because of how great he is. And coming to worship should never be a burden. It should be a joy. You can't wait till the first day of the week to come here to worship and to assemble with the brethren to worship God. To worship, to worship Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, right? That's exciting, church. Take his name when you leave this building. Speak his name when you get out there. Speak his name. And when many of you are going to go out, we're going to go eat uh, somewhere or some restaurant. Say his name. Say the prayer at the table. Let the folks see you're praying and let them see a smile on your face because of Jesus. There's just something about the name Jesus. Or do you not know, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infamous, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And we say, yes, Lord. That's who they are. And God reminds us of something. When God was reconciling the world, He was trying to save us too. Because the reconciliation brought to us, verse 11, and such were some of you. But because of Jesus, you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. That that name of Jesus saves us. That blood of Jesus saves us. You, you ought to want to get baptized today. You, you ought to want to surrender your life to Jesus today. Because the name of Jesus is just so great. I'm closing. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. God has reconciled the world to himself. And he did it through Jesus. 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 There is just something about that name. Church, we, we ought to rejoice this morning. We, we ought to be just excited this morning because, because we're God's children. Right? We're with Jesus. We ought to just be excited this morning. Verse 11 of Romans 14. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each one of us shall give an account of himself. To God.
But if you have the blood of Jesus, it's going to be all right. I'll just be happy this morning. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. But I long to rest in the arm of faith and be closer to run to thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer.